Shopping with Thrive Market is healthy without the hassle. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Join today at thrivemarket.com AMR to get $20 off your first order and an exclusive free gift. Simplify dinner time with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Go to hellofresh.com AMR12 and use code AMR12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Sweet dreams. Birch makes organic, non-toxic mattresses made in America and ships straight to your door with no contact delivery, free shipping and returns, and a 100-night sleep trial. Birch is giving $200 off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com AMR. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Adrian Martini. Hello, Adrian. Hello, Sarah Bowen Shea. How are you today? Good. Thank you for using oh, my full rhyme. name. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, uh, what race you training for? Um. So I'm still on this quest to run a half marathon in all 50 states Mm -hmm. got a little derailed over the last 14 months oh really 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 (laughs) yeah 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 and i i decided the virtual ones don't count because you don't i i don't really get to see anything new when i do that so um right just because you pay your registration in a different state it doesn't really that does not yeah that'd be a big ask and even if they send you a medal yeah Mm -hmm. if they send you a medal afterwards it's like no but i didn't actually Mm -hmm. didn't actually go um, so, um, I was initially training for Missoula, um, mm-hmm. but that did not happen. Sigh, heavy sigh. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it'll be there. It'll be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I was already mentally prepared to run a race in June, mm-hmm. I looked around where I am, mm-hmm. um, and I can knock off the smallest state, uh, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, smallest in area, biggest in our hearts, I guess. Um, uh, the weekend of June 26th. So okay, same weekend. I'm currently, yep, same weekend. Mm-hmm. It is also my daughter's 19th birthday, oh. which is just a kick in the head. I don't even know how that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, she may or may not come with me. We'll see. Because you know that doesn't sound like a fun birthday for a 19-year-old. And um, she's not bummed at you for leaving town on her no, birthday? not really. We're pretty uh-huh. low-key about uh-huh. birthdays. Uh-huh. You know, you can have a birthday week. That's fine. <laughs> um, so I will be running in Bristol, uh, Rhode Island, uh-huh. uh, the weekend of June 26th. Uh-huh. So if anybody wants to join, be more than welcome. Uh-huh um newport's just down the road so we might yeah. try and go see the mansions yeah um hang out by the ocean mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. the fun rhode islandy stuff that you mm-hmm. do when so, it's not 10 degrees outside right right so you do not do what some 50 staters do which is try to bang out two in a weekend so say uh, you know do connecticut and rhode island massachusetts right. and rhode island right there actually is a race in connecticut then that sunday mm. um but you know what that just sounds miserable like absolutely 100 <laughs> percent awful like why why do this to yourself uh-huh. it's not like i'm on a, a strict schedule it's not like i am sponsored by some 50 states <laughs> sponsoring committee you're not, like you're not <laughs> no, <laughs> I know it's crazy, right? So if there is a committee, please call me. I, you know, I'm always open, right. and I have plenty of real estate you could slap a sticker on. But um, um, yeah, no, that I mean, this is something I'm doing for my own amusement, so it might as well be amusing, you know, instead of like this death march. Um, so no, I am not doing that. And most of the New Englandy states, they're all so small and close together that it's really not a big deal to pick another weekend when there's a mm-hmm. race in like Connecticut or, um, mm-hmm. you know, New Hampshire or something and just mm-hmm. zip out, do it and come home. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And then maybe Ohio in September, oh. lovely Akron. Uh-huh. Um, I had, well, it's more that I signed up for it last year and uh-huh. when the race got canceled, the registration just deferred itself. So, sure. mm-hmm. um, but I would stop by and see my daughter in school while mm-hmm. I was in the area Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. 
drum roll, drum roll, drum roll yes. <laughs> uh, I am coming out to your neck of the woods. I know. And you have um, such, lovely Portland. such an amazing race awaiting it is you. Stunning. Like the, so we're talking about the Portland AMR retreat, which is end of October, middle of October. Uh, October 22 to 25. Thank you. Um, yeah, and... It just so turns out that the, what bills itself as the most beautiful marathon in America, it also, there's a half marathon and a half marathon relay is the 24th. So that's Sunday. So it's the Columbia Gorge marathon, again, half marathon and half marathon relay. Oh my gosh. Yes. We drove that way. Was it Spokane? The Spokane yes. retreat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And drove Right along the gorge, I believe, for a bunch mm-hmm. of it. Um, not being from the area, I just kind of kept looking out the window, like, "Oh my God, this is so gorgeous!" <laughs> I don't know where I am, but this is beautiful. So you have assured me that that is, in fact, the Columbia yeah. Gorge. Yes, it is. It is, and so that race is starts out in Hood River, Oregon, which is a charming, charming town, a little over an hour, like maybe sixty-five minutes mm-hmm. uh, to the east of Portland, and. It's on uh, the races on these paved trails that used to be, I think, um, train. There used to be a train that was out there. And then there's some quiet country roads and just these sweeping vistas of the Columbia River, the mighty Columbia. Mm. I mean, you just expect Lewis and Clark to come around the corner (laughs) at any minute. I mean, it's just, and the the foliage will be at its height. So that is a serious treat. And, um, my running buddy, Trisha and a good friend of hers who now lives in Colorado signed up for the Portland retreat. And I think she was saying like, wow, you know, if I hadn't signed up for the retreat, that race alone would make me sign up. I know. I know. Um, so that is, I'm going to do the half marathon because of course I have to collect my medal, uh, you know, to continue my non-existent sponsorship by the 50 States. (laughs) Um, do you do you think you're gonna run it? Do you think you're gonna join a relay? Yeah, and so I do have to say quickly that one of the driving forces of getting an official sanctioned race in on the retreat schedule was like I gotta make it so Adrian can tick off Oregon. <laughs> so, I appreciate that. I appreciate yes. that. So yeah. I was looking out for you. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So. Uh, right now I'm debating between the half marathon and half relay. And this morning on my run, I was thinking maybe I'd um, do the second half of the half relay. Cause it's just a two person relay and you, right. um, the second person starts at the turnaround point. So that's, that's my thinking right now. So maybe do, um, you know, use a 10 K race at plan from train mm-hmm. like a mother club and just kind of really try to put the, um, you and know, do it pedal twice. Down. Um, oh, <laughs> No, so so I'd get a I'd get a teammate. No, no, no. Oh, 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 oh. So there's a also so there's the marathon relay. No, 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 there's, there's no marathon relay. There's just a half marathon. Oh, relay. I get it now. Yeah, All so right. there's marathon, comma, half marathon, comma, and right. a half marathon relay. Half period. marathon relay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. See. Yep. Don't need to draw you a picture there, Adrian. Nope. nope, nope, nope. <laughs> you might. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah. like the Hilton Head race where it was like, wait, we're doing what? <laughs> right, right. What's a quarter marathon? <laughs> what is a right. quarter marathon? Right. Um gotcha. So a half so the 10K plan is actually gonna work for you because I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know that a half marathon is not a 10K, but yes. gotcha. Uh, yes. Right. So, so there's yeah. a reason. I was a humanities major and um, <laughs> math was not part yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. So my, so I would be ranked 6.55. Gotcha. Yes. 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 Well, that's a, that's a nice humane distance. Yeah. Well, I've, it's, you know, it's, um, it's going to be some logistics to get everybody from downtown yes. Portland out to the race. So I just thought, you know what, so that I don't have to be pitting out, thinking about getting to the starting line along with everybody else that, that at least then, you know, and there'll be a bunch of us. So we can get driven to that halfway point right. and um, go from there. Yeah. 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 Yes. So I want to cue up today's topic, which is body image resiliency and it's broader and more profound than body positivity. And we'll definitely mm-hmm. go into that. And our guest is Lexi Kite, PhD, who, along with her identical twin sister, Lindsay, is co-founder of the nonprofit Beauty Redefined and More Than a Body. The sisters are experts in the work of body image resilience, and they teach people worldwide via research-backed 
online education available on their website, social media, and through speaking events, including a TED Talk. And in their new book, More Than a Body, Lexi and Lindsay assert positive body image is about feeling positively towards your body overall, not just what it looks like. Lexi is the mother of two young daughters, ages five and 18 months. We will talk with Lexi after this break. Stay with us. Shopping with Thrive Market is healthy without the hassle. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market that delivers your order to your door with carbon-neutral shipping from their zero-waste warehouses in 100% recyclable packaging, which makes me feel good about my deliveries. And on orders of $49 or more, shipping is free. Thrive Market has an amazing selection of high-quality, healthy, and sustainable products online. Organic and essential groceries, clean beauty, safe supplements, ethical meat, clean wine, and more. As a Thrive Market member, you save an average of $32 on every order. On past episodes, I've told you what I order from Thrive, so I turn to our brand ambassadors to see what they love getting from Thrive Market. Christine from South Dakota says that, as someone who lives in a pretty rural area, Thrive Market has been a great place to get our pantry staples at reasonable prices. My favorite products are fair trade organic coffee, Calafia oat milk creamer, collagen peptides, tea, and spices. I also really love how they pack their boxes using all things that can be recycled. Minimal plastic. Me too, Christine. Me too. So much to love about Thrive, from its products to its practices. Join today at thrivemarket.com AMR to get $20 off your first order and an exclusive free gift. The only way to get this offer is by going to thrivemarket.com AMR to get the exclusive offer of $20 off your first order and a free gift. You can't get this offer anywhere else. thrivemarket.com AMR. We all have our personal triggers. For me, these past 15 months, it's been my kids and husband asking the dreaded, what's for dinner question. Well, HelloFresh to the rescue. I now have answers that please us all. I enjoy cooking HelloFresh meals and we all enjoy eating them. Each week, HelloFresh offers more than 25 recipes to choose from, featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients so you'll never get bored. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. It just feels so good to push back from my laptop and know that everything I need to make a satisfying, healthy meal is waiting for me to prepare and devour. Two of our recent favorite dishes have been salsa verde enchiladas and zucchini and tomato flatbreads. Remembering the flatbreads are literally making me salivate. They had ricotta lace with lemon zest and juice paired perfectly with a final drizzle of honey after coming out of the oven. Mmm, scrumptious. Another thing I appreciate about HelloFresh. In 2020, the company donated more than 4 million meals to charity, and now they're stepping up food donations to local communities amid the serious food insecurity crisis so many families are facing. You can feel good about so many aspects of getting HelloFresh meals. Go to HelloFresh.com AMR12 and use code AMR12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's 12 free meals, including free shipping, when you go to HelloFresh.com AMR12 and use code AMR12. HelloFresh.com AMR12, code AMR12. I know the problems and pains a poor mattress can bring on. When I trained for my first ever marathon, I was living with my now husband and sleeping on his janky mattress that he dubbed Taco Bed because it practically folded in the middle. My hips started to hurt so badly the pain would wake me up. I thought it was from overtraining. Nope, a crummy mattress. Thankfully, we left that mattress long behind and we recently upgraded to a Birch mattress. My body is thanking me. Birch makes organic, non-toxic mattresses produced right here in America with just three materials sourced straight from nature organic latex, New Zealand wool, and American steel springs. Birch mattresses are certified organic. Your Birch mattress is shipped for free straight to your door with no contact delivery. You can buy with confidence because Birch offers a 100-night sleep trial. Give your Birch mattress a try. If it's not to your liking, return it for free. But I know you'll like it. Jack and I appreciate how firm our Birch mattress is without being hard. We feel supported, and my hips and all my other joints plus my back don't hurt when I wake up. We added a Birch plush organic mattress topper for a little extra cush. So if you're looking for a new mattress, check out birchliving.com AMR. Birch is giving $200 off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com AMR. That's $200 off all mattress orders and two free EcoRest pillows. Get this great deal by going to birchliving.com AMR. B-I-R-C-H living.com AMR. Lexi, thank you so much for joining us. 
I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It's great that you're here. Um, since our podcast is called Another Mother Runner, we have to ask, what type of exercise do you do? Great question. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in more detail, but I, I do love a good workout. And I used to run, I ran a couple half marathons uh, years ago, probably nine years ago now. Um, but now I do a variety of treadmill hikes. I do a steep incline on the treadmill. That's my favorite right now. Just walking though. Mm-hmm. Or, um, I do those hit videos online. I just do high impact intensity training, um, from the comfort of my basement with nobody there <laughs> and no mirror. It is the best. Yep. Do you have, um, a nice basement or do you have kind of like a dank hole that you go down? <laughs> You know what? Um, for the first half of the pandemic, I was living in a condo, a small condo, a nice one, but small with my baby, my five-year-old, my husband, and my twin sister who was living with us Oof. from New York city. Um, and then halfway through the pandemic, we bought a house with ample space and a finished basement. So I'm kind of living in, in a luxurious basement, I, not luxurious, but it's finished at least. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Adrian lives on the East coast. So the land of scary basement. Uh, yes yes spiders and the uh spiders you name it um in the land of the basement toilet for some reason we've never quite figured this out (laughs) sounds fascinating it is it's 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 its own thing Uh, relegate the husband to using the basement (laughs) that's yours honey all yours and the boy children just go for it yeah amazing yes yep Oh my gosh. So, all right. So Lexi, enlighten us about your professional background. So I have a PhD in communication from the university of Utah. I also did my master's degree there alongside my identical twin sister, Lindsay. Um, (laughs) We graduated with our PhDs at the same time, walking across that stage. Uh, The university of Utah told us they had never graduated twins with their PhDs at the same time. So that is a a record we hold. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but we, we basically have a very similar passion that began our freshman year of college for, um, really studying and understanding why girls and women in particular feel the way they do about their bodies. Um, why we have such high rates of disordered eating body shame, preoccupation with physical appearance, Um, and that really took us down a a long path for the last many years through our research and our nonprofit work. We, uh, founded the nonprofit beauty redefined where we, we publish and teach, um, publicly do a lot of speaking events about our research, which is in body image resilience. It's like the light at the end of the body shame tunnel that we truly believe is the revolution we all need. Body image resilience takes us from this place of feeling so defined by and confined by our bodies and how they appear to a place where we can identify the source of our shame, whether it's family that is dieting and consumed by how they look or fixated on how you look, um, whether that is media ideals we see from every possible angle. We help people see that shame, shine a light on it, call it out, and then use it to become more powerful, more compassionate, more resilient in the face of it all. That's body image resilience. Nice. Nice. So, so before we jump more into the, that topic, just have to ask, you know, you've mentioned your identical twin sister a couple of times. I mean, what is it like to work closely oh. with a sibling, especially an identical <laughs> twin sister? And I, and I have to ask how many other siblings do you have? If any, we have a little brother, um, oh, okay. just the one. Um, and he's great. And he, uh, he actually runs our website. He (laughs) runs a big um, media company. So he helps us with stuff like that. But, you know, I don't know. I would say, I don't know any other way than being a twin because that is true, but I can identify that if you had told me I would be working so closely with Lindsay, uh, our freshman year of college or before I would have told you, you were absolutely uh, nuts. And there would be no way I would ever do that. We were sharing a dorm room, our freshman year fighting over clothes, didn't talk for weeks at a time because we were so mad at each other. And somehow we have taken our shared interest, our shared passion, our shared talents, um, 
and use them for good instead of evil. And it has brought <laughs> us together. So we live on different sides of the country. You know, she's in, in Manhattan and I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm staring out at a beautiful mountain and she stares out on the 7th Avenue, I believe. Yeah, our lives are different. I'm married. I have two babies. She's single and living her best life in the city. And we have really been brought together by this work. I think that the twin thing, we write about it in our book. Um, the twin thing really helped us see how we were being compared and contrasted mm-hmm. and constantly, you know, people were paying attention to our bodies and we were able to see ourselves through our twin because we were yeah. so identical. And that kind of created this heightened sense of awareness of our bodies. And mm-hmm. we use that to kind of explain how lots of people feel about their bodies, feeling so defined by how they appear. Right. That isn't that is intriguing, kind of that um being able to see a mirror and then yeah. also the mirror of yourself as well as a mirror of um p- other people's reactions yeah. and interpretations of you. That's right. that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. So that kind of leads to the next my next question, which is what kind of body image research have you done either together with your twin? Um, or separately? Oh, just a lot. I mean, I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm exhausted by it. No, it's great. Um, You know, doing our master's research, um, that research um, amounted in us creating a visual presentation um, that really explained in terms of media literacy, how and why we feel the way we do, why are women presented and represented to us in media the way they are, the fact that it's also deeply profit-driven, that economies rely on women feeling so um, ashamed of their bodies, so wrong on an individual level, Um, and, and some ways out, some strategies to get out of this shame spiral that can take us all just down forever. Um, that was our master's degree. That's when we founded Beauty Redefined. And throughout the four years of our PhD research, we did research on women ages 18 to 35. Um, we each did different dissertations and they were pretty complementary. I focus more on a, a thing called self-objectification, which is mm-hmm. where you picture yourself living instead of just living. You kind of police yourself according to your worst fears of how you think somebody else might be thinking Um, when they look at you, when you're running down the street, instead of thinking about keeping your breath flowing, thinking about what a beautiful day it is, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm jiggling. My shorts are riding up. People can see how sweaty and tired I am. You're thinking about how you look instead of being in that flow state. So Mm -hmm. I studied the self-objectification aspect of it and how to get out. And Lindsay studied one thing I'm sure we'll talk about today, which is how physical health has been conflated with beauty and attractiveness and thinness Mm -hmm. throughout so much of media, throughout so much of um, even fitness media and uh, fitness professionals kind of perpetuating this idea that thinness equals health, that toned always equals health. Mm -hmm. And we kind of melted those two things together when we created our theoretical model of body image resilience, which is that pathway out of of, um, this kind of prison of being Uh, stuck thinking about how you appear and instead help you to see yourself as more than a body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the major tenets of your brand and your new book is the definition of positive body image. So we don't have pages and pages here. We we don't have (laughs) any pages as a matter of fact, but if, if you could boil it down for the women runners listening, please. Oh yes. So our definition of positive body image has made the rounds on the internet for the last few years. And we are so glad we feel like this is people's first introduction to understanding a new way of being. So our definition is that positive body image isn't believing your body looks good. It's believing your body is good regardless of how it looks. You know, so many people, when we talk about body image, they think that they can fix their body image by feeling better about how they look by fixing their bodies in some way. But the truth is, you know, from personal experience and from research, we know that fixing in quotes, the outside of your body or your face, it doesn't fix your shame. It doesn't fix your body image because body image is deeper. Body image is knowing that your body is good, that you can see yourself as an instrument instead of an ornament. That idea of seeing and experiencing your body from the inside 
as an instrument for your use, regardless of how well it works, it's yours, you embody yourself, that is absolutely key to self-confidence, to positive body image, to being able to get outside of that prison of self-objectification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that you've already touched on this a bit, but that, you know, I really appreciate that beauty redefined isn't invested in convincing folks that they are beautiful. Like many, as you mm-hmm. it, it, you know, popular body image boosting sites and influencers do that you and your sister would rather people deeply know that they are more than beautiful. Yes. So, you know, and, and as I have, I'm a mom of three, two of whom are daughters. Um, so that really hit home with me. Could you talk a bit more about that, please? Absolutely. Yes. Um, one thing we found over the uh, 15 or so years of doing this work publicly is that when really well-meaning people and organizations and companies are trying to fix girls and women's self-esteem, they almost always go about it in the same way. They talk about how beautiful you are. You are so beautiful. If you had any idea that your flaws make you beautiful, you would go out there and change the world. Or you are more beautiful than you think you are. Other people think you are so much more beautiful than you see yourself. They assume that this is going to fix the problem. That if we only felt more beautiful, we'd have the confidence to just get out there, you know, to raise our hands, to to work out in the gym, in front of the mirrors, to do whatever the thing might be. But what we found through our research is that focusing on our bodies and our beauty is the problem, not the solution. You can, you can tell somebody they are beautiful. You can reinforce to them that, that, uh, their flaws make them more attractive or whatever the thing might be, but that is slapping a bandaid on the problem. And in some ways it's making the problem worse. It's making it fester Mm -hmm. because nobody would tell boys and men who have confidence or self-esteem or even body image issues that they are just so cute. They are so handsome. (laughs) If they knew how handsome they were, they'd be fine. We laugh at that because boys and men would never take that. They would laugh because they know they are more than bodies. And yet our whole lives, girls and women have grown up believing that our power is in how we appear, that in order to be loved, to be successful, to be healthy, to be happy, we must look the part. That is a heavy burden. And the way to fix it is not to reinforce that beauty is their best asset. The way to enforce that is by telling them you are more than beautiful. You are more than a body. When you find your purpose and your power outside of your ever changing, ever growing, ever aging body, that's when you find real joy and peace and even positive body image. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I like about this approach um, is that it's not the traditional kind of merchandise centered approach where it's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you need to buy this thing in order to be beautiful or you need yes. to buy this thing in order to have um, you know, enough self-esteem because we need to fix this thing um, about you with a product. Yes. Um, which is kind of goes back to your idea of your body being an instrument and not like an ornament that you need to... Um, hang stuff off of, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, can you elaborate on the idea of being an, your body being an instrument rather than an ornament, especially yeah. with how it might resonate with women runners and women, uh, female athletes? Oh, absolutely. So th- this idea, this paradigm shift um, that we've just been shouting from the rooftops for years is something that everybody listening can take into their lives right now and it will change you. Memorize the mantra, my body is an instrument, not an ornament. It's the subtitle of our book. So we make sure it's out there all the time. This idea, this idea that your body is yours first, that you do not exist to please the eye of anybody else. You do not exist for anybody else's use is really powerful and kind of flies in the face of a lot of what we've grown up believing about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, From an athlete's perspective, research shows us that many, many women um, set aesthetic goals for themselves when they are running, when they are, you know, starting up a new workout routine, they set goals for how they want to look a more toned booty, you know, Mm -hmm. abs, thinness, whatever the thing might be. 
but that these goals are actually really objectified goals that have nothing to do with health and have everything to do with how they appear. You know, it turns out that you can be healthy in a lot of different body types that we see runners at the finish line that don't look like you would see in the fitness magazine, you know, in, in real life, we know this, we see this, but the message peddled to us from industries that make billions at our expense is that you must look a certain way in order to be healthy. And so women take up exercise routines. And then when they don't fit the aesthetic ideals, they thought they would fit when they meet their goals, they stop working out. Mm -hmm. Research backs this up um, in two ways. We stop working out because our goals are focused on aesthetics and they are not sustainable and they are not attainable, but also that many women feel too fat to exercise. I I put that in quotes. That's Mm -hmm. something that is identified in research. You feel too fat to exercise, to go to the gym because you don't have the right thing to wear, to get out there and run because you don't want to jiggle. You don't want to sweat. You don't want to be judged. You're ashamed of how you appear. This is just astounding to think about how many of us are sitting on the sidelines of our life who are sitting on the sidelines, letting our health, you know, just, just, uh, whatever that word would be for fade away all because we don't think we look the part we have this ornamental view of our bodies. Instead, if we can take on this embodied first person perspective, it changes everything. All of a sudden we are able to get into a flow state, which is as you know, the best thing in the world, especially when running, but you can't get into a flow state if you are self-objectifying. Because that self-objectifying kind of checklist in your head says, oh, you don't look right. Adjust your shorts, adjust your shirt, wipe the sweat away, whatever the thing might be. You're thinking about how you appear. So getting in a flow state is so key when you can, when you can experience your body as instrumental, then all of a sudden you can meet goals you wanted to meet. The aesthetic goals, you don't get that rush of endorphins. When you see a weight on a scale that you like, you think, Oh, I got to keep this up. Or I don't look as good as I thought I would at this weight. I got to keep going. But when you meet these goals that you have for yourself, that, that, you know, pertain to what you can do and how you feel, whether it's, you want to run a certain number of miles or, or spend some time each day running or walking or working out or whatever the goal is when you meet that goal, Oh, the endorphins, the rush, it's incredible. So what we really want people to know is that when you can see yourself from the first person perspective, even when your body doesn't work like you want it to, even when you're injured or ill, which all of us are at different points in our lives, you will still always benefit from focusing on your breath, what your body can do, who you are, how you can communicate with people, show love, uh, the ways you can create with your voice creating art, singing, whatever the thing might be, that instrumental perspective on our bodies helps us take our power back in every way that really counts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think maybe I'm not the only one fist pumping right about. Oh, right. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you talked about those, you know, different ways that, that sometimes our body is not the instrument that we want, whether we're injured or sick or aging. And that, that leads into, this question, which is, um, you, you had a post that w- that really resonated with me about believing that you owe your partner or yourself, the body or face you had when you were younger or before you gave birth. And you all oh. wrote, you don't owe anyone, your body, not your younger body, not your perkier body, not your thinner or curvier body. So, so please talk about the importance of seeing and valuing yourself, um, as more than a body. So that the people in your life, especially a partner or potential partner, um, or, you know, your kids, um, can, can do the same. Oh, it's so important. And this is such hard work. So many of us, you know, we grow up believing that the way that we earn love is by looking a certain way that if you're heterosexual, that a man won't love you unless you fit these certain ideals. I know I did. I grew up, you know, being a little chubbier than my friends, And feeling like, you know, from that being reinforced from a million different sources that I was bad and wrong. And that made me feel unlovable. So I grew up for so many years trying to shrink my body so that I could be worthy and capable of being loved. Mm -hmm. I look back on that and it just absolutely breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. I look at my life now. um, If I can be totally personal, I'm 
I'm sure I'm fatter than I've ever been. I'm also happier than I've ever been. (laughs) I'm even healthier than I've ever been. I work out regularly. I am so grateful for my body and what it can do for me. I know what it's like to not be able to work out when I was recovering from childbirth for a painful childbirth for months for months and couldn't move. I am so grateful now that my body can move. I am grateful for the mental health benefits of that. I am, I have the privilege of having an incredible husband, the best, most equal partner that of course would never say anything bad about my body. And then we get messages from people every day. After I posted this post, you don't owe your partner or yourself, your younger body. You would not believe the kind of comments and messages we get Mm -hmm. from everyday women that appear to be so self-actualized, you know, appear to be, you know, fully in control of their lives and happy. And yet they are messaging us or commenting saying, you know, my husband withholds sex when I gain weight. Mm -hmm. or tells me he's unattracted to me. And what do I do about that? How can I help him see? Mm. And what we say, what we try to reiterate in this post, we write about it in the book is that you need to start first with yourself on knowing deeply that you are more than a body, that your body is growing and changing. And that is good. The body diversity is good, that your body is working for you. If you've gained weight in a pandemic, your body worked for you. Your body was, you know, that's a resilient thing that's happening for you. Um, The fact that you're alive is a beautiful thing. And if you have a partner who primarily values you for how you appear or ever talks about um, in shameful ways or does anything to elicit shame for you, telling you that you are not good enough as you are, as your body has changed, that is abusive, uh, full on abuse. And a lot of men grew up in this exact same culture we did, believing that uh, girls and women are primarily arm candy, that you um, can earn a beautiful wife by um, having money or power or, you know, whatever these also really terrible ideals are. Um, And we all kind of grow up kind of complicit in this relationship dynamic that says the woman needs to be beautiful and thin and curvy in all the right places at any cost and every cost. And the man just gets to be, and we earn our love by staying that way. And that is so damaging. So we tell people, you know, if you're in a place where you feel like you do owe your partner, um, a younger version of you, a prettier, thinner, whatever, more toned version of you. That is a really scary and abusive place to be. And it is up to you to talk to your partner about how it feels when they say something like that to you or treat you in passive aggressive ways. Um, When you can, if you're in a place where you can trust your partner, where, where they can learn and grow along with you. And if not, it's time to evaluate that relationship. And if you have the privilege to remove yourself from that abusive place, even for a time, that is privilege mm-hmm. um, that you should take. Oh, it just breaks my heart for so many people dealing with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. Sorry. I'm kind of speechless here mm-hmm. because uh, it's just such a, it's a thing that I've heard too, just, you know, being around mother runners and, and yep. friend, you know, having female friends, um, and it's just that the thought is so strange to me um, that it, I mean, it just is physically painful to listen to somebody say that their partner is um, withholding oh, me love, too. kindness because they, the person had the, the, the gall to get older. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> totally. It's um, just so painful. It is just steeped in sexism and Oh, every ism it is, yeah. uh, it just yeah. truly breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, and it, so I'm reminded of, I, I taught communications at a college level hmm. for um, a while. Oh, cool. And always showed, it's a little dated now. Um, and I don't know if she's updated. Jean Kilborn. Yes. Jean <laughs> Kilborn. Uh, she did I knew it. <laughs> an advertising, um, a series of movies documentaries called Killing Me Softly. Yeah. I'm sure that she had. Yeah. And I always had at least one or two female students after the lecture kind of grab me and say, wow, I didn't think about it that way. Uh, yep. um, um, so I would recommend 
anybody who's listening to this, when you have the opportunity, maybe not if you're running right now, um, check out, I'm sure they're on YouTube. Um, yeah, they are. One of the 9 million streaming services that we all have. Um, worth a look, worth a look. Oh, um, and it's, so it's Killing Me Softly, Gene, what was the last name? Kilborn, uh, I actually looked it up while I was sitting here. K-I-L. Mm-hmm. Oh, why am I not seeing B-O-U-R-N-E. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you yeah. know, Jean Kilborn in my freshman year of college in 2003, um, my professors in my media literacy class uh, played probably the same one. I've, I've now, of course, seen all of her work, um, right, but one of right. these, I think, from Killing Us Softly. And it struck me so hard. It was one of those first things. And years later, <laughs> um, doing our work um, with Beauty Redefined, we have a a pretty good public presence just on social media mm-hmm. in Kilborn reached out to us and said, nice. she's a big fan. And could she use some of our work in her wow. presentation, nice. which was amazing. And now she's endorsed our book. She has an endorsement in the cover of our book. And she is just <gasps> one of those. Yeah. That's kind of one of those dreams. Like it's come full circle. Right. We can carry forward what she began. Oh, that makes me so excited. So I love that, yeah. you know, Jean Kilborn. Oh yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Big fan, big fan. Yeah. of Jean Kilborn. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, kind of taking a, a little steer from that. Um, so do you have some kind of actionable steps that women and women runners can take toward just starting to get closer to healing our body issues and, and oh yeah. Oh, tons. Yes, yes, that is what we're known for. So um, there are lots of people out there who can help you see and get really angry at how objectifying the world is, um, how objectifying the health and fitness industry is. Of course we do that work too, but we don't just want you to get angry. We want you to use your anger uh, for good to heal yourself and to heal the world. Um, And anger is a good first step. You know, we write in the book about the fact that anger is one of those very necessary emotions in this work that when you really see how shame and self-objectification and a fixation on looks at the expense of your life and your health has taken a toll on you, grief and anger are, are almost necessary and inevitable. And that anger can help meld you back together. Every time you feel yourself slip away into kind of a self-objectifying posture where you're picturing yourself instead of just living. So anger is a good first step. I, I want people to start out with answering a baseline question, which we asked to all the participants in our initial doctoral research. And we ask to every person who takes our online course, how do you feel about your body? When you answer that baseline question, answer it honestly, write it down, write it in the notes of your phone or in a voice memo or in your journal. When you answer that question, I want you to listen. You might be like the vast majority of women in our research. When we ask that baseline question, they entirely or almost entirely respond by talking about how they look. They say things like, well, you know, I've, I've gotten older and I'm a lot saggier than I used to be. And, and that's super frustrating. So I'm, I'm trying to work on running and working out to get a little bit more thin and toned, or I am just so embarrassed of my, you know, my jiggly bits, or I am so embarrassed of how I'm aging and all these wrinkles, I need to do something about it. And then I guarantee I'm going to feel better. They talk about their worst fears of what other people might be thinking when they look at them. They're policing themselves according to these fears. They are 100% self-objectifying. And most of us, when asked that question, how do you feel about your body? We don't do a good job of talking about any other aspect of our bodies, how we feel, what we have experienced in these miraculous bodies, what we can do, where we have been. We only talk about how we appear. So I would start with kind of a baseline of where are you at right now? And then we can work on how you can improve that body image from a first person perspective. So, you know, one of the ways we've talked about is to take on this posture of your body being instrumental instead of ornamental. And especially for female athletes out there, I highly recommend um, that you start to set goals that have nothing to do with your weight, your body mass index, or your dress size. Honestly, if you can throw away your scale. 
I say, if you can, everybody can, nobody needs to know their weight. Even at the doctor's office, you don't need to know your weight and neither do they, unless they are trying to um, get you ready for anesthesia and they need to know how much medicine to give you. (laughs) Um, I write about it in the book, my own experience with this. Um, We know that a lot of the healthcare industry is um, based on a flawed metric of the body mass index that is cheap, but unreliable for individuals. So the body mass, I I could go into a lot of details. I won't, but needless to say, (laughs) body mass index doesn't actually tell you anything about your health. So instead of paying attention to your weight, your relationship to gravity, that's what it is, or even the clothing size you're wearing as a way to um, kind of measure your success in terms of your health and fitness. I want you to focus on what you can do. Is it um, doing a certain number of reps at a certain weight? Is it running a certain amount of time or distance? Is it just getting out there, spending some time for yourself? Is it being able to go a little bit longer than you thought you could when you're running? What is it? Is it being more intuitive with your running so that you aren't using it as punishment for what you've eaten, that you aren't doing it to punish yourself for how you look to try to change your body. That means if you're working out intuitively, there are some days when you will opt out of your workout because you are paying attention to your body and how you feel. And maybe you're just going to opt out for the day so that you're not using running as a punishment. Um, there are so many ways that we can focus our efforts in ways that serve us in the long run. And I promise you, it will make your workouts more sustainable, more joyful. You will reach a flow state, um, more often, which will, you know, give you all the joy in the world. Uh, so there's one, um, do I have time to share another? Yes, please. Sure. Yes. Okay. Um, another one I would say, um, is, you know, we hear a lot about intermittent fasting, which, uh, I could comment on Uh, needless to say, I recommend that you don't put your body into a state of starvation. What I do want you to do is take on an intermittent media fast. Mm. If you take some time, I highly recommend take a weekend every, every quarter of the year or do it every weekend. If you, if you ever could take at least a couple of days and unplug from all media, including, and especially social media. When you are away from media for even a short amount of time, you quickly become more sensitive to the images and messages you were consuming regularly that were just begging you to self-objectify, that were just begging you to feel like you were not good enough as you are. You don't look good enough. You need to fix this. You need to fix that. And then you'll be happy. That's what so much of media is based off of, including fitness media. And when you return back to media, you suddenly take your power back in a new way because you can feel how these images and messages, even from people you love and admire, how they make you feel as you're scrolling through your feed, as you're flipping through that magazine, watching a movie with your kids, whatever you're doing, you're suddenly a lot more sensitive to the stuff that just hurts that you do not need to take on. And that's when you get your power back. You can mute unfollow, unsubscribe, turn off the TV, switch to something else and have that conversation aloud with the person next to you in the, in the, you know, aisle of the grocery store, looking at those same ridiculous magazines, your kids watching that show that just objectified every female on the screen, have the conversations to say, this doesn't make me feel good. This is trying to make me think that I'm a body first and a person second. And that's not true about me. So I'm going to change some things about how I consume media. Um, That is power. It is absolute power. We forget that we are in control of everything we consume, all the media we consume. We forget. And once you take your power back, your whole life changes. I know mine has. I'm much more careful about who I follow, what I watch. I love that the make you feel like a body first and a person second. I mean, that is, that's, it's like what we all want to stay away from, not, not go down that road or pull ourselves back from that road. Yes. Right. Um, You mentioned your kids um, and I, or you mentioned watching movies with your kids and having these conversations. Um, I have a 19 year old daughter who um, I am continuously amazed at how comfortable in her own skin she oh, is because I definitely was not there <laughs> at 18, 19. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think part of it is a cultural shift. Um, yeah. How do you, you have small kids. Yeah. 
Um, do you have kind of a, an approach in mind or? Oh yeah. You know? Okay. I mean, I'm working on it, but right. I have personal experience, but also um, research experience that helps. I do think you're right that, um, you know, a lot of people express so much worry about the generations coming up um, that they just, they have it so bad that social media is so deeply objectifying and right. all of that. But you know what? I, I can also say that I have- They're doing pretty good. Yeah. They're doing well. <laughs> yeah. I have all the hope in these kids coming up that they have access to more information than we ever did. They have mm-hmm. access to alternative stories and messages and ideals. Um, they are less focused on gender. I think that that gender binary of, of girls having to be very specific things and boys getting to be a lot of other things that hurts all of us. Um, and from my perspective and a research perspective, media just has everything to do with how we raise our kids and, and what they see as possible. So I have a five-year-old daughter, Logan, and from the time she was tiny and we were watching shows, I have been deeply committed to making sure that she sees an equal representation of female characters to male characters. So, you know, I grew up in a world and you guys did too, where there were very few female protagonists doing anything to move any plot forward. (laughs) They were, they were there to be looked at. Mm -hmm. Um, Disney is a huge perpetrator of this Mm -hmm. and really scares me in that regard. So with Logan, I have been so, so invested in what she's watching and in watching it with her. And I make sure that there are female characters that aren't just there to look pretty or to get the guy. Um, and, and that is difficult, but doable. And we're getting more and more options. You know, PBS is great in this regard. Um, there are shows across the board that do this. I'm obsessed with Moana for this reason. Moana has a purpose. She is a leader. She doesn't have that one body that is literally represented in every other Disney and Pixar female character, the hourglass shape, the big eyes, the tiny nose, the big breasts, the big hips, that is so damaging when that is the only image we see of what it means to be a girl. Mm-hmm. So I point that stuff out with her. I, I, I do my best to help Logan see that what is represented on the screen is not reality, that people came up with those ideas, that they bring their own ideas about what makes somebody valuable or even normal into how they're drawing characters. And so one thing we do and what I encourage um, people with with younger kids to do um, is to actively talk about what they're seeing. Huh, why do you think there's no girls in this movie? Why do you think there's only one girl and she has to have eyelashes and a necklace and a bow so that people know she's a girl? Why do girls have to be decorative like that? In real life, girls don't have to decorate. Um, (laughs) My daughter often says, why don't the boys have eyelashes on shows? <laughs> the boys have eyelashes too, because in real life, boys have eyelashes. And I think that is such a great way to plant a little media literacy seed for little kids to say, girls don't have to be decorative. This is what we see in shows. Not all shows. We do our best to find shows where the girls aren't decorative, but look at what these people have created. This is a creation, not a, a, a presentation of reality. So another thing we do and what I encourage um, parents of young kids to do is to create characters themselves with their kids, whether you're drawing them or using Play-Doh or whatever the thing might be, what would you want your characters to look like if they could Mm. look like anything in the world and help them to become not just passive consumers, but creators, Mm -hmm. like help them to know that it's well within the possibility for them to create new stories, new characters to represent a world they want to see and not just have to recreate this age old, really sexist world that always was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Yeah. 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 All right. So final question, one of your posts on Instagram really resonated strongly with me as I just today hit my two week mark after my second vaccine. Very excited about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so this post is about seeing people again and how we should quote, fight the anxious urge to apologize for your body or comment on theirs. You know, here, here you're seeing people that you, you know, you haven't seen for maybe 14 months or only at a distance and, you know, that sort of thing, you know, so Talk more about that, please, about how, um, 
you know, I really see this as, as resonating for women rejoining their running groups or being in the starting area of an in-person race after all this time. Yes. You know, that you're standing there in, you know, shorts and a tank top and, and there's, you know, a lot of you to see. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I know. And you guys know from just, you know, people expressing this anxiety around getting back out there. It's this heightened awareness of how we appear that honestly, one of the silver linings of the pandemic was people being less worried about mm-hmm, that from it mm-hmm. because we've all been able to just live in sweats and work out on our own, you know, not at the gym worried about how we look. Mm-hmm. It's, there has been some real value in that. And yet we're all thinking about getting back out there. And that self-objectifying voice clicks in that says you are how you appear Mm -hmm. that you will be judged harshly by your body changing. The truth is, as we know, we are all our own worst critics, that self-objectifying voice. Most people wouldn't say that stuff to you. And most people would never, ever, ever, ever think that stuff about you. So what if we in true body image resilience fashion took this moment as a turning point, Mm. an opportunity to choose a new way you can do this on your own, regardless of how other people are talking about their own bodies or apologizing for their own bodies. You can do this by vowing to yourself that you're going to get back out there anyway. And you are not going to say a dang thing about your own body. You will not apologize for how you look. You will not point out how you've changed. You will just use this as an opportunity to be a new person, a person that is not defined by or confined by how they appear, a person that does not judge others by how they appear. It's so easy, you know, to get back out there and see people for the first time and immediately, you know, want to comment on their bodies. Like, oh, you look so good. I haven't seen you in so long. Where do you shop? Where do you get your hair done? You have got to show me what you're doing because I I just love this, you know? Mm -hmm. And we talk about each other like we're bodies first and people second. Mm -hmm. Instead of that initial urge you have to, to compliment people on how they appear, which is nice, but can backfire often because then it causes them to think about how they look and to think, oh, I must not have looked that good last time they saw me or I need to keep this up, you know? Instead, what if you dug a little bit deeper by either asking them how they're doing, opening up the space to go deeper by asking them how they're doing or by talking to them about how much you miss them, what you miss about them, what you love about them that hasn't been in your life for 14 months or whatever, we can go deeper. We can, we can step out of those really shallow waters of objectification. And we can vow to be people that do that just by showing up. If you have gained weight, get back out there unapologetically prove to yourself and the world that you are still you, regardless of how you appear, that you are a better more resilient version of you because you are willing to get back out there anyway. I, I just, I think there is so much power in using this moment as an opportunity. This is an opportunity to show the world that we are more than bodies. What does that look like? See, I am just so glad we had you on the podcast. Thank you. Right? Yeah. yeah. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you so much for the work you and your sister are doing and just for sharing it with us and on social media. Just keep keep at it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, this, I appreciate this, the support. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was great. Take good care. Okay. You too. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. I, I, I just feel that was just a gem. Yeah. Just wow, fantastic! Yeah. I'm I'm ready to take on the world now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, I want to harken back to what you and I were talking about in the intro, which is that Portland retreat, because there's just a few spots left, and our home base is the historic Embassy Suites by Hilton in the heart of downtown. It's a grand dom of a hotel that's been lovingly restored. And um, as you might guess, all the rooms are, as implied, sweets. So it's ideal <laughs> for sharing with a friend or a sister, a niece, an adult daughter, or whatnot. So, you know, as we said, we're going to be taking part in the Columbia Gorge Marathon, comma, half marathon, comma, half marathon relay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be awesome. We have a Pilates instructor lined up that I'm really excited. Oh, wow. going to be teaching a Pilates for runner class. We have a woman talking about how to 
kind of get over anxieties and um, self-doubt and really set big goals for yourself and, and go forward toward them. So, and just lots more programming and fantastic meals. And of course the karaoke that we always have. (laughs) (laughs) So to, for all the details and to register, go to anothermotherrunner.com and click on the retreats button in the top nav and there'll be a drop down in there that says Portland retreat. So that's how you find us. And I Um, I also did want to point out that I was searching, uh, looking at a map online and there's mm -hmm. a voodoo donut just around the corner from the hotel. There sure Um, is. There truly is. Yeah. It is right around the corner. Yes, yes, yes. And oh my gosh. And there's um, the restaurant that is part of embassy suites is called mothers. Mm. Be more perfect. And so great place to hang with people because you know um our programming you know we kind of the the staff as we are uh kind of head up to bed oftentimes around 9 30 <laughs> and then my gosh all the retreaters like hang out I know. <laughs> so it's the perfect place to hang out there's a really great cafe and um uh, that's also part of the hotel that I just adore their breakfast sandwiches. I was at a meeting mm. there with our retreat coordinator. I finally said, Melissa, you got to stop talking because I got to concentrate on what's in my mouth. <laughs> 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 so it is goodness in all shapes and forms. So please join us in Portland, October 22 to 25. And our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. <laughs> <laughs>